Sober Sips talks to inspirational and influential people to find out about their drinking journeys. Hosted by me, Emily Cyphers, founder of Sober and Social. I will talk to guests at all stages of their journey, offering different insights and perspectives from struggles to successes. Sober Sips gives you story and substance. Before we head into the episode, I wanted to tell you about Kalenio, one of my favourite drinks brands. Kalenio are a non-alcoholic spirits brand on a mission to bring joy to not drinking. Flavoured by the sun-drenched fruits of Colombia, their spirits offer a deliciously versatile alcohol-free alternative. Thanks Kalenio for sponsoring the episode. week I'm speaking to Sarah Jane Crawford, TV presenter, model and actress. We discuss what led her to sobriety, the wider effects of our drinking and the benefits of sobriety. Let's dive in. Hello Sarah Jane Crawford, how are you today? I'm good, all the better for having you on the line. Thank you, welcome to Sober Sips. It's a great name. <laughs> I know, well it's good because I do like a good old Sober Sip. Me too. Which is really good considering we're both sober. <laughs> it's hard to find, um, well, I think there are a few nice um, sober brands out there, but when I first turned sober I was kind of a bit lost for what to have. Yeah, I think that side of sobriety and the non-alcoholic market has really grown, especially in the last few years. Because I suppose when you when you got sober, you were it was three years ago now. Yeah, yeah. And like I feel like it's all every year it gets better. And I was saying to a friend of mine, do you know what? I didn't just stop drinking three years ago. I actually tried to stop so many times, even in my late twenties, I'd do like five months here, four months there, six months here. So it's um, been a journey. And like you, right. it took me a really long time to get there and knew that I had to stop a long time before I stopped in terms of doing the two months, coming back to it, having four months of sobriety, coming back to it, all of these things. Yeah. So when you went sober, what led you to that decision? So the date was like, because I remember one of my um, sort of sponsors, I've done AA meetings mainly in LA. I don't say that to sound like wanky in Hollywood. It was only because I was living there. And actually the meetings that I went to, I felt like I went to several in LA. And when I got back to England, I was a bit like, mm, don't want to go to meetings, which is silly. But for some reason, it felt like when I was in LA, there was almost like this way of living that I had. And it, if I got back to England and it felt a bit disjointed. It's almost like sometimes West Hollywood's a bubble, don't get me wrong. It isn't like America and it's certainly not all of not like all of LA. Sorry, not wanting to digress, but like in the environment that I was living in, it was easy to like get up at six in the morning, go to Soul Cycle, do an AA meeting, be healthy, have a smoothie. So it was easy. Then when I got back to England and it was like the real world for me, I was a bit like, well, I don't know if I want to go to any meetings and what if I see someone I know? Well, it doesn't matter if you see someone you know because they're in the same situation. But anyway, going back to your original question, Lisa Ranson, she won't mind me mentioning her name because she's spoken out about, you know, issues that she's had and going sober. She was a former Radio 1 DJ. She's one of my idols and she's a good friend of mine now too, was helping me at the time in LA. And she said to me when I decided to go sober and I've stuck to it since, you know, my last actual date where I've got three years now, three and a half years. She said to me, remember the date, make it a thing, like an anniversary. I was like, cool. So it was like, 
I always, okay, I should say, remember the date. And then I'm like, is it the 6th or the 7th of July? It's only because it was like the night before I had some dramas with someone. And then the next day I was like, I am done with you, booze. You liar. You're pretending <laughs> you're my best friend. You're my worst enemy. You're making me have arguments. Um, I was meant to be filming something the next day. I couldn't go. Oh, it was like, I can't even get into the details of what happened because it was like such a bad argument that it was like complete chaos and I couldn't even film the next day. And it was like pretty like heartbreaking stuff. And I just thought, I'm so done with this. Like it doesn't support me in any way. It just makes like things that are bad even worse. And actually I'd known from experience that when I tried to go sober, I'd actually had a brilliant time. I could still have a laugh and I felt so much better anyway. So that was like the thing that, I don't know, like the thing that kind of like kept me sober, I think. The year prior, I thought I'd done it. And then six months later, I fell off. And I'd had a conversation with a friend of mine. Again, he won't mind me mentioning him. In fact, he loves a little pat on the back. I always wind him up. His name's Mark Harris and he's uh, an alcoholic. And he's got, um, I don't know how much time he's got now sober, but he's doing really well. He's an entrepreneur, he's really successful. And I remember he's also an actor. We were working on a film together and it was the summer before that I ended up doing it for real so say like this was 2017 went over summer of 2016 thought I had six months later blah 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 so he said to me um we went we met for lunch and I was supposed to meet him for lunch and I texted him I was like I can't make it I've been on some crazy bender in Notting Hill rolled in at like six in the morning woke up the next day wanting to jump off a bridge the fear was just ridiculous I was just like I can't do life I was like I can't do life what am I doing I'm 35 I don't know what I'm doing I've just broken up with someone that I've been with for five years which I knew was the right thing, but I was just a bit like, I'm single. I don't know what I'm doing. What's happening in my career? I've just come back from LA kind of, but not really. I was like back and forth. What am I doing? And he just, we went for lunch and he just said to me, Sarah, the next time someone, you, you know, someone offers you a drink, you just go, not for me. And you, and he pushed the sparkling water towards me. But the reason it resonated with me, sorry, I'm waffling on a bit much on this one question, is because he understood me. Like, he's like me. He's very all or nothing, extremes, wants that, like, high feeling, but also is a bit of a nightmare when you're in a low place as well. And, like, this personal trainer that lived in Notting Hill had said to me, I was living in Notting Hill at the time, had said to me, it's easy, Sarah, you just go sober, it will save you loads of calories. And it just did not wash with me because he didn't get it. He'd never been like me. He'd never been like, had those addict tendencies. So when my friend Mark said it, I knew he got it because he's like me as a person in terms of his up and down ways. So yeah, but then 2017, nah. And you know what? I was able to the situation I was in at the time, not wanting to like bad mouth any ex-boyfriend, but I was able to like move away from that and not go back. Cause I think how many times when you're drunk, do you like contact the person that you've broken up with? Who's not right for you. But when you're sober, I think that if you do break up with someone that's not right, it's not a guarantee you won't ring them back. But for me, it's worked well. Like I've been able to move on with my life and know that that person's not right for me. I'm probably not right for them. And I just, I have so much more integrity. Like I just stand by my decisions. I don't go back on stuff when I'm sober. Even if I might want to, I can see the big picture. Gave me so much self-esteem to do that. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> going off on my but I realise how passionate I am about the reason. A hundred percent. I like agree like the amount of you know relationships or bad situations that I would stay in because of essentially drugs and alcohol and the moment I got sober I could actually 
feel my self-respect and clarity and self-love like almost just like coming back into me being like I only want to be in healthy situations and I only want to be in situations that serve me like I don't want this negative cycle being in these destructive relationships or ending up in these you know um destructive situations like as soon as I was sober I was like oh okay I can actually see clearly now and make these decisions for myself whereas I kind of felt that was taken away when I was drinking yeah and you know what 100% and speaking about unhealthy situations and how many young couples get into drama because they're high or they're drunk do you know what I'm saying so it's so sad when you talk about healthy situations I feel like they definitely favor you more when you're not drinking and there are some people that can have a drink and get drunk with their partner and they come home and they have a laugh and it's a wonderful night and I've had many of those nights myself but I just think that it's important to realize whether you know if it's a 50 50 thing like one day it's going to kick off one day it's going to be fun one day it's going to kick off that's dangerous like you know Mm. but there's been times when I know a story one of my fiance's um, friends from Ireland had a drink and never made it up the next morning like he fell into a, a canal drunk and again that isn't to speak badly in the memory of anyone that's just to say how sad like a normal lovely person who has a drink like anyone else and that's the thing about alcohol that is so sad and tragic is that especially in western culture we all say it's normal like when I said I was stopping drinking a lot of my friends were like oh you're not an alcoholic you don't drink vodka in the morning yeah but there's a slippery slope to get to being that level of what people associate with Amy Winehouse god bless her do you know what I mean and again I'm not saying anything negative about her I'm just saying like there's a, a long journey you go on to get to that point and so before you know it you can be there and like there are so many cool, lovely, great, innocent people who at the hands of alcohol end up dead. And it may not even be because of alcoholism, but just because like they get into a fight, someone hits them in the wrong way. They hit the deck, they fall in, they drown. Do you know what I mean? So they fall off a balcony on holiday. So I just think it can be quite, those things can happen anyway, but I just think alcohol's got a lot to answer for with like tragic shit going down. Yeah, I think it's just more likely to A, trigger something inside of you, B, for you to put yourself in a dangerous or vulnerable situation and actually Mm. C, probably be attracting not healthy people anyway because you're not in a healthy space. So you can't really make good judgments as well. So it's like these three things going on and it's not saying like, oh, you're sober, nothing bad happens or tragic things don't happen, whatever. But what it is saying is that the probability of those things happening are a lot less. Yes, that's it. That's exactly right. And what you said is spot on. It's not just what happens when you're drunk. It's also that mindset that you have that attracts in people that maybe don't have any business being in your life. Not that they're bad people, but they just don't work with you being the highest version of yourself, you know? Yeah. And I think you're able to say no to things. Whereas when you're in that mindset, like I can tell a mile away if someone's not quite right for me or if I know that they're, if, they don't um, bring out like the best in me. Whereas when I was drinking and drug taking, I'd almost override that. Yeah. You know, I just look back and think of all the dangerous situations that I put myself in with, you know, all the 
random people that I met, like all of these things, like your life can very easy just unravel. There's all that as well. It just unravels before you, you know? And you're like, if I was sober, I wouldn't have even probably spoke to that person or I probably would have been in bed before they spoke to me. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Someone said to me once, nothing good ever happens after like 2am or something. And I thought, oh, that's, it's kind of true. And, and that's the other thing as well. Like I definitely extended nights longer than I would have done drunk like sober I was like oh it's 12 and bored and going like now as a new mum I can't even imagine doing anything beyond like 11 (laughs) o'clock like on a social one but like yeah it's definitely made me and also in terms of like having a daughter like I think to myself I'm so I'm so glad that sobriety is so much more of a trendy thing for young people now because I I feel like I always think about the future and probably a little bit too much because it can cause unnecessary anxiety sometimes. But I always think about how what I want to teach her is that like, if you're drinking and you're out as a young woman, then you are vulnerable and you could end up just thinking, I'm going to just go back with this person for a drink. You don't know them, but you're feeling like you've got Dutch courage and they might not necessarily kill you or something, but you might just end up waking up and thinking, why have I done that? Or like, what is this situation? Like, I just think, yeah, you just attract situations that are just less than you. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I just, I generally feel so like passionate about my sobriety, not just because it's changed my life, but just on like a general like level of, I think the world would be a better place if people drank less or not at all. Mm. Like I think there Mm. would be less mental health. I think there'd be lower suicide rates. I think there'd be more hospital beds. I think people would not be spending days off work people would have more money they'd be kinder they'd be more loving like all All of of the above it's like a collective like I'd know vibrational like lift if people Mm. are doing that less because the effects of all of that and especially on society like is so huge that putting it out there into the world that it's okay to not want to drink. You don't have to have hit a rock bottom. It can just be something you don't want to do, or it can just be something that's negative in your life. Like whatever the reason, it's okay to not do it. And it doesn't matter what that reason is necessarily. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a lot easier now to sort of say, oh, I'm sober or I don't drink or no, I'm not. And people not be like, oh, come on. Like I think before it was so much harder. Now people just think it's a bit more normal. Like veganism has become a lot more trendy. I know that's like a bit of a shit word to use, but if it if it if it works in terms of you know describing people wanting to drink less in general, then it's a good word to use. I think that um, it's a lot easier now to do it because people are a lot more supportive and they just expect it mm. before. And also people people want company when they're drinking. So you might be around. It's hard. You know, the conversations like this are so, you, you feel really evangelical about like stopping drinking. And, and it's almost like I feel like certain people listening who say have no intention of not stopping drinking, maybe they wouldn't listen, but like they'd be like, oh, listen to them, they're preaching. But it is one of those things that when it changes your life and you can see how it can change other people's lives, it's hard to like not be so enthusiastic about it. And it, it sounds preachy, but like you just listed, there are so many things that would improve in a lot of people's lives. I think if I think if everybody had the ability, and we're and I'm definitely not blessed with it, I'm sure you're not either. If we all had the ability to be moderate in what we did. But then, I, but then my thing is that what's the point of like I kind of think what's the point of moderate drinking? I didn't even enjoy the taste of most alcohol unless it's like Bailey's and it's like really sweet and creamy. I just 
did drink to change how I felt. I dr- drunk, dr- I would drink to get drunk, to be honest. I was very British about it. Not going to pretend that like I liked certain like wines. Oh my God, this is a really nice wine. Like, no, like I might've thought I did. Or I like this cocktail. Yeah, because there's loads of sugar in it, but I'd happily have like a virgin cocktail because it's got the same sweet mix in it. But that booze in there is going to make me get drunk and I'm going to enjoy getting drunk because it's sweet rather than like wincing when you like knock back like some poison (laughs) that you could set on fire (laughs) that kills a little worm or something. So yeah, you're picking in your insides. But um, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I also think, like you said about it, almost like being trendy, but I also think it's become more accessible in terms, and veganism as well. Like when you go out, Mm. they'll have a vegan menu or when you go to a bar, they have an alcohol-free menu. Like when you go to M&S or Tesco or Lidl or whatever your vibe is in a supermarket, they will have options for you. Whereas I think before, it's like all the benefits were definitely there because people were going vegan and people were going sober. And equally, don't get me wrong, some people have, you know, very bad addiction issues and have to go sober. For some people, it's not a choice. And I totally respect that. But now, if you choose to do either of these two things, it's like you do it, but actually you are kind of like supported in doing it by where you go out to eat or where you go. Yeah, it's a lot easier commercially. What else was monumental in you staying sober, do you think, um, apart from meetings? Um, oh, what kept me sober? So, like, yeah, obviously in the, in the AA circles, people talk about if you don't go to the meetings, then you're white knuckle riding it, as they say, you know, hanging on in there with no real support. And I haven't worked the steps, 12 steps or anything like that. I do have the book actually up there. I haven't done it. Um, and I was asked, I was, you know, someone suggested that I, that I do it and it really helped me. One of my friends who's like a sort of well-known musician I ran into not so long ago, he said to me that the steps have really helped him. So it's something that I think I'd still like to do. Um, what helped me? Do you know what else was, I think what was a motivating force for me was fertility as well. Like I really wanted a baby and I knew that because I have endometriosis, I'd had fibroids removed when I was in the same year, actually, 2015, that same year. Sorry that I turned vegan. Um, and a low AMH blood result level, which denotes potentially premature ovarian failure. Alcohol's like the worst thing to like be pouring on top of like potential infertility issues. So I just thought, yeah, like, I really want a baby and this isn't the way to go about getting one, not in your late 30s. So um, I really believe that me cleaning up my act has been, is the reason that I'm a mum today. I really believe that. I just don't see how, I don't know where I would be if I was still drinking health-wise. Like I can't see how I would have like made that happen. And I thought I'd need to do IVF and actually throw some eggs and all of this kind of stuff. But we conceived naturally and... uh, Thank God. And when I was pregnant, I didn't obviously have that whole issue of like, oh my God, I haven't had a drink because I was like used to it. I was like, oh. So when they would be like, be careful with, with like certain cheeses and don't eat like certain red meat or be careful with like drinking or, you know, certain seafood. I was like, oh, I don't do any of that. So I felt some of my vegan pregnant friends are like sober ones as well. Actually, no, I don't know if I know any, do I know many vegan sober friends? Maybe they still drink. They're all quite smug like, oh, I don't do those things they're telling me not to do anyway. But um, anyway, yeah, so that, so I think that was a real motivating factor. I don't think everyone has to do AA, but I would definitely say that 
you need to think about a strategy, you know. I don't think it's as simple as just like, oh, I'm going to give up and I've done like a couple of months so now I can go back into a club environment. Well, there isn't any few clubs at the moment, but um, do you know what I mean? I do think you have to be really clever about who you put yourself around, different triggers, avoiding them. And then like now I wouldn't even consider having a drink. I wouldn't crave it. So I feel like I, you know, I've been to Ibiza twice now, sober. I've been, in fact, I was in DC 10 sober looking around just thinking, ugh, did I look like that once? So embarrassing. But I know you all know what I mean with all of this. Like, you know, you just look around and everyone's just like, you just think, oh my God, everyone's got their sunglasses on and that. And it's just like, oh, thank God, it's not me anymore. And you know what? Have you ever heard that expression, like run the trailer? I think it's quite an AA term. Like, as in, if you think about having a drink, you run the trailer. So I'm going to have one drink and then it's going to end up being 10 and then I'm going to start doing all these other things. Then someone's going to make a phone call to someone and then next thing you know, it's gone in a totally different direction. And then like, before you know it, you're at different people's houses and then it's like six in the morning and like whatever you were doing, you know, like whatever started off as like a really nice drink ends up as complete carnage. So like, it is like running the trailer of like, I'm going to do this, which will just be this, but then I'm going to end up wiping out the whole week and wanting to kill myself. It's okay, I'll leave it. So that also helped Mm -hmm. running the trailer. I call it play the tape forward, but I feel like running the the trailer is also a very uh, good one that I'm going to start using in my everyday, in my everyday life now. I haven't heard that before, actually, so I'm going to start using it. Maybe it's not, but I think it's called that, you know, like just a highlight reel or a low light reel of like where the film would end. Well, not end, but like, you know. Well, even if it wasn't a thing, it is now a thing. Yeah, run the trailer. Play the trailer. Yeah. (laughs) Run the trailer. Play the tape forward to good one, and I, and I honestly think it's so true, though, the amount of times I've just gone, oh, we'll just have a lovely glass of Prosecco and we'll just catch up. Boom! Two days later. Two days. Oh two half days later. And also, like, who's got, I haven't got that time. Two days later. I haven't even got two minutes later these days. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so great that, like, my baby now knows how to nap so I can do this podcast. But, like, where, and you know what's weird? Like, I've always been this really career focused person, hence why I've had a baby later in you know like maternal age where did I have time to be like wiping days out of my schedule like that I remember actually I used to do um I shouldn't even say I used to record a weekly show but it was a voiceover for it and it was on a Thursday and because I was so good at just like rolling off this voiceover with my eyes closed just because I've done it so many times it's just something that I'm good at doing getting a script even if I've never read it before sight reading it as if it's like ready to air you know one take wonder and I used to roll in having barely slept to this record because I feel like in the entertainment industry the best parties are in the week so like I'd be like oh I'm not going out on a Friday or Saturday night I'd always be out on like a Tuesday night or like a Thursday would be like the worst because then I think for most people actually now Thursday's the new Friday before everything shut down um but I would so I record on a Thursday so Wednesday night would always be the night I'd end up caught out at like some event free booze um now we're going to this place then we end up in the box do you know what I mean in central London and the box is always like bit of a car actually the box now is it you that's hold held parties at the box yeah I did one yeah yeah so the box is like for me in my mind this place which is just like um a den of iniquity like everyone's going to get mashed up and that's why it's so clever if you did an event there because there's an association with that place that it's all like oh it's dark there's these weird shows that go on and then you get wrecked and then you've gone and done a sober rave there so cool 
Um, it was actually amazing, I have to say. And I did it at the box very much for that reason, because it was, and it still is, my my favourite place. Like, um, I have a very sole connection to the box. Now in a sober sense, which I never thought that I would say. <laughs> um, but it was literally where I used to spend the majority of my life for, mm. like, I mean, how many years? A very long time of my life. <laughs> so I've definitely had... And it's worse if you know the staff. If you know the staff and the owners of any place, it's terrible, because then you just got access to everywhere. It's just, you know the script. It's just everything's easy, like, and you just... Yeah, so I'm really proud of you for doing that. Well done. That's such a t- flip in the script situation. I would have loved to have come to But that. it honestly felt like, well, if I, well, I obviously would love to do it again, but I haven't been able to. But if I do, you're 100% there. Um, and I have to say, it generally was, it was one of the best nights of my life. It was just incredible. And it felt like a... It genuinely felt like if you would have walked in there, you would never have known no one had taken anything. Like, you just wouldn't. It felt so normal. Like, the energy was so high. Like, people were connecting and dancing. The music was amazing. Like, you wouldn't have known any difference. And, you know, it's really important for me for people to recognise that they can still live this really fulfilled you know, social connecting life without alcohol. And that's kind of what that party was. I think, yeah, well done. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things for people and I totally get it. It's this drug feeling of like, even now when I talk about it, I still could whip myself into the frenzy of thinking, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to have this drink and you feel like you're you're, you know it goes into your bloodstream and it changes you and you feel relaxed it's just it never stops there though like it never ever stops there and even if it did just stop there like even if you were just having like one or two one or two one or two the the cumulative effect of that on your health like people don't realize because they think they're having a good time but like alcohol is a depressant that is the group of drugs that it's that it's listed in and it's um it ages you i know people who are like a year apart in age one is sober and the other drinks, and they look 10 years apart. I'm so sorry to say it, but it is true. So even if this is speaking to someone's vanity, because you just got to get in where you can when you're trying to like get people to see how they can improve their lives. And I think a lot of girls out there and women who drink, and I think if they thought it was like destroying how well they could age, maybe that would help. I don't know, because it, it does. It just like accelerates like aging of your insides your outsides but without getting into that too much we're just basically looking at harm reduction aren't we in in all areas yeah exactly harm reduction i love that (laughs) and it's health boosting it's not just harm it's not just harm reduction is it? it's also health boosting mood boosting life boosting it's also like accentuating the good and giving yourself more energy better night's sleep etc yeah like the the benefits of all of those things definitely are huge and like outweigh the kind of the you know it's like the moment the short-term gain versus the long-term gain isn't it which I yeah. kind of very much felt about about when I was drinking as well it's like to escape from this to have a good time now to be in the moment you know the classic phrase that we'd always use which I haven't used in ages and I don't I, it's definitely not a cool phrase to use anymore by the way but as the excuse it was like YOLO you only live <laughs> once so we're just we'll just do this tonight. We might not be here tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. You know, fuck it. Like, we'll just, you know, 
go go full on because it doesn't matter because you know we only live once and that was the excuse that I would tell myself that I was like living my best life and this was fun and this was exciting and all of these things but actually do you know what is fun and exciting is feeling good every day is feeling motivated is feeling clarity is making the best decisions for yourself having deeper friendships and relationships like those things are living your best life not still being at an after party two days later being like oh, oh well we God. only live once which is you know the classic that I would try and tell myself to justify yeah it can only get worse as well when you're chasing something oh god I'm so glad I'm not in that situation now you feel like you've been saved don't you yeah you do I feel very very yeah. very grateful every single morning and it never gets old that I wake up and I haven't got a hangover how old are you if you don't mind me asking and how long have you been sober sorry I know it's your podcast I'm no please I <laughs> I, I enjoy questions um I am 31 yeah and I've been sober just over two and a half years well done that's brilliant that's brilliant I'm so glad so yeah that's longer than 6th I of have. April well 2018 done. that's brilliant yeah and you do for when what date's yours again 6th of July 2017 year behind me I had a I had a year year worth of hedonism whilst you were sorting yourself out <laughs> <laughs> well you could kind of afford to as you're a lot younger than me well yeah I mean we got there we got there the main thing is, is that we're here. the main thing is that we're here exactly yeah um anyone listening what is your biggest advice if there is someone that is struggling with their sobriety what would you say to them I would just say, look, you know, um, all the things you think that alcohol is helping you with, confidence, relationships, um, having fun, being happy, is actually on the sly doing the opposite. You know, it's smashing up your confidence and and lowering your self-esteem. It's damaging relationships with family members, friends, romantic relationships. It's actually making you depressed. And <clears throat> I think that we drink because we think it's going to elevate us, but actually it can be that it destroys us. And so um, if you're struggling, I don't think, I think with any drug, um, even if it's as low level as caffeine or as high level of like, as like heroin, there's like a hold it has on you and you have to break that cycle. There is no two ways about it. Like how you do that, Maybe some people can wean themselves off. Maybe some people go cold turkey, as it were. But um, there's no denying that there's going to be a period of time that's going to feel uncomfortable. But you have to get through that uncomfortable phase to then have like a life of, of feeling better. Because I think when you're stuck in a rut, whether it's a bad relationship or you're addicted to something or someone or something, um, you're feeling uncomfortable every day, actually. But that's the ironic thing. You think, oh, no, no, but I really want this. But then you're hurting yourself every day. So just to go through kind of like in the grand scheme of things, a short amount of time that feels uncomfortable to get to a life that is in the long term really fulfilling is worth it, I think. Some of my tips would be um, have a look at your friendship group. Not saying sack off all your drinking friends because that's not necessarily the answer. Because actually, if you're truly sober, and you're kind of going to stay sober. I think that it doesn't matter who you're around. But I think initially, look at what your circle is. And even if these people do drink and you don't want to like get rid of them necessarily, you don't have to. I just think be sure that like the people around you are supporting you, um, friends and family. Um, stay away from environments that can trigger you to do something that isn't for your highest good. And find other ways of filling your time so one of my friends I think it might have been Mark Harris who I mentioned before he said HALT um you know the uh acronym HALT as in don't drink 
but it stands for we sometimes drink when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And it's so true. It's like, I'm on my own. Let's have a drink. I'm pissed off. Let's have a drink. Oh, I'm quite hungry. I know I'll also have a glass of wine. What was the other one? I'm tired. I need more energy. It's going to make me see the night out. I'll have a drink. You know, there's always some reason that we're cheating what our own bodies could do. I used to always think that it would give me confidence to drink. So I'd go to like an industry party and I'd have a drink. And then what I realized was, was that I used to like really get the fear talking to people after I'd had this drink and I wouldn't even know what to say. And that's coming from me who can't shut up. Whereas once I'd become sober for like two or three weeks and it was like really out of my system, I would just be in my element. I'd like run into someone and that would normally be one of those awkward situations where you're thinking, I must get out of this and just be completely comfortable in my own skin once I'd gotten rid of the alcohol from my system. I agree. That's one thing I've definitely found as well is that I do actually feel more confident sober. And I know that's a lot of one of the reasons when I ever speak to people why they are fearful of giving up alcohol is they use it for their confidence or their uh, they don't know how they're going to feel. But actually, I generally feel so much better in social situations because like you said, I'd always feel actually really anxious and like, Think, oh no, what did I say? Or do they know that I've had too many? Or what yeah. are they judging me You're on? You're overthinking it in the and it would make, Yeah, whereas now I love, you know, meeting people and, you know, whether I know them before or I haven't and just finding out about people. Like people are fascinating and mm. I love asking them questions and I love hearing about them. Whereas before I would just literally, oh, where's the next drink? And, oh God, do, do they remember what I've said? Was I, was I oversharing? Was I telling too much? Maybe I was too loud or maybe I said something really inappropriate. Like all of these things going on inside your head, you know? Yeah, I think in the moment and then definitely, definitely after the moment, you're overthinking how you've been. And that's just such a waste of energy. Mm. because Mm -hmm. you can go through hard times in your life where you're sober feeling like that. And then to add drink on top of it's even worse. Like when you're a lot of people, you know, I I really struggled originally, initially postpartum for the first six weeks. And many people do for weeks and even months and years. And it reminded me of being hungover. It was like that feeling of like second guessing myself, feeling really down. I felt guilty because I just had this baby that I really wanted and want and love to pieces. And then I just felt really down. And um, that's a natural part of life, going through stuff that where your hormones dictate how you feel. And then imagine putting alcohol on top of that, like, or how much harder it would have been if I wasn't like a sober person. Because you have sober days, potentially, when you're a drinker but they don't tend to be that long lived. Like when you drink, I feel like you don't normally go more than, I I remember like, I'd be like, I haven't had a drink in four days. That would feel like I was on some sort of drinking fast. Four days, that's nothing. Whereas when you don't drink, you obviously have weeks, months of having not had a drink. And that completely changes how you feel and how you behave. You have to give yourself that sort of like longer length of time to get the benefits. It's not just going to, because that's the thing, a lot of people might think, oh, I'm just going to try it. Two or three days, they think, oh my God, I feel shit, I need a drink, this is bullshit. But you actually have to go on, you've got to like break through the pain barrier. Mm. And then you're like, oh my God, actually, wow, this is the gold at the end of the rainbow. But you'll never experience that if you don't give yourself more than a few days at a time. 100%. Yeah, exactly. It's that, you know, short-term decision versus the long-term gain, isn't it? Always. And yeah, sticking with it and getting, yeah, getting to the gold at the end of the rainbow is the perfect way to describe it. Even if the rainbow is a long, treacherous journey, may I add, because it can be. <laughs> yeah. But nothing worth having is easy to get. 
No, 100%. So I just want to quickly move on to the the Mums the Word platform, which yeah. I think is your like new initiative, your new business, like you're very entrepreneurial with all of these <laughs> different things that you've got, with all you've got going. So I think this is the latest. Yeah, this is thing. the latest. <laughs> yeah, so um, I just, uh, you know what, a lot of it was inspired by the journey that I went on the fertility journey and the anxiety that I experienced and the mental health issues that it definitely challenged me with. There's a, a group of people and there and there's millions of them and, and um, people don't necessarily know about it unless they've been through it necessarily or a friend or a family member or they're in the medical profession and they're really struggling and they're struggling to conceive and that in itself is then causing them a lot of mental health issues and they're worried that they're never going to be able to have children and so there's so many elements to fertility challenges that I just thought it'd be good to have a place to share about all that because it can be quite a taboo subject then there's like miscarriages then there's like once you get pregnant pre you know like perinatal and pre and postnatal depression potentially issues it's not all doom and gloom, but I just think it's good to talk. And so at the moment, it's just an Instagram page, but I am um, starting a podcast soon in 2021 where I'm going to just be chatting to women about different experiences about what they've been through. Maybe they have children, maybe they don't, maybe they've adopted children, maybe they've frozen their eggs. It doesn't, it's not like you have to be a mum to want to talk about these things. In fact, it's key that those people who don't have children and have experienced different issues are talking too. Yeah, I just think it's, it's sometimes I feel bad about those people that haven't had children or maybe yet and feel like they're not in this mum club because it, it's a horrible feeling to, to, to feel like it's hard for you to be happy for someone else getting pregnant because you've been on your own real hard struggle. One of my friends, I won't say her name, but like she, her and her partner had struggled for years to get pregnant. And, um, you know, she said to me, I just would people would say I'm pregnant and I'd, I'd go oh my god I'm so happy for you and inside I'd just die and that's normal I'm not saying that everybody who struggles can't be happy for people some people can everybody's different but there's nothing wrong with that so I just think like maternal mental health is such a big thing and it certainly doesn't get spoken about enough like people are just like mums and they've got babies and you think oh wow it is hard really hard once you become a mum it's hard when you're trying to be a mum it's hard so that's like the aim with it, really. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's such important conversations to be opening up. So if people did want to follow that, what is the Instagram page? So it's called Mums the Word Platform. And I've got it in the bio of my Instagram. And it's just a small account at the moment. But it's just got like, it's very targeted in terms of the people following are. I'm not amazing on Instagram. So I don't have like a load of people just suddenly follow a page that's got nothing on it because I've got loads of followers. But I like to think that like it will just grow organically and people that are interested in having the conversation. And there's been a little bit of inactivity, I'm not selling it now, on there since I had the baby because I'm doing it myself and no one's working with me on it. But yeah, I'm most excited about kind of like getting some more Instagram lives going, the podcast episodes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah, it's going to be great. And one more question. (laughs) Yeah. And what is your proudest career moment? I think getting a regular radio show was quite a proud moment because I remember my agent at the time, this was obviously back in that 2008, said to me, well, radio, because a lot of people start off doing radio, then they do TV and then et cetera. But for me, I was like, I was a TV head. You know, I started off on E4 in 2007, interviewing bands and different musicians and film stars. And then I went to the BBC and she said to me, we were walking down near Great Portland Street near the BBC and she said to me, 
you know, radio is not like TV. She goes, you're going to sink or you're going to swim. She was like, not very tactful, my old agent. She was a good agent, but she just was not like the most affectionate. She probably like hugged like that. You. sometimes I can be a bit like that so yeah I just kind of like really focused and and got my own show and kind of I've always been wanted in radio which is nice you know so that's good and I've been doing radio now for um over a decade yeah X Factor was a proud moment because you know X Factor is one of the biggest shows and I felt like I was really trying to make sure that I, I knew I, I knew I was the best person for the job at that time I just needed to convince people that like, cause they were like, Oh, but you know, you're on an urban station, but do you get the mainstream? And I'm, I'm like, this is mainstream. Um, but then, but then at the same time, it was like, what else was I trying to convince them of? I, did, I didn't want to come across as too cool for school, but then I needed to look cool enough to do like this youth programming. There was just all these boxes that I felt like I needed to fit in. And maybe I didn't, but like when I got the job, that was a proud moment. We were at the final, I think it was like me and Dermot were hosting something together on the main show because I was doing the extra factor. And I just felt so emotional. Like I looked out across Wembley and I just thought, oh man, like hosting the Mobos three times in a row, that was cool because I grew up with the Mobos, you know. Um, so I, when the Mobos used to come on when I was a teenager, I used to be like that, like up against the screen, like, no one talk to me. Oh my God, so solid to coming on, whatever was going on. Uh, so to host it with Trevor Nelson, who's like my, one of my radio heroes, I love Trevor to death, still do. Mel B, you know, the nuttiest Spice Girl, who was like my favorite and obviously worked with the Mix Factor and then on my own, was just like, you know, I couldn't have written it any better in terms of like what I'd have hoped for. So those were like some really proud moments. Working for E on the Royal Wedding. I know Megan and Harry aren't in the Royal Family anymore, but I still love them. That was an amazing moment because I'd always wanted to work for E. That was broadcast live in America. So those were some of like my proud sort of like entertainment e sort of moments. Um, but to be honest, like my, I know you haven't asked this, but I'll just quickly say like my goals for the future are definitely to open up areas that I'm like really passionate about alongside the entertainment. But like I really want to, you know, focus on helping women with their reproductive health, their mental health, women of color who are like five times more likely to die in childbirth crazy statistic but true just things like that are like really important to me and uh so yeah women's health and mental health is something that I want to try to bring to the screen through documentaries or you know like on air via podcasts like that's something that I'm really focused on yeah those are just some of the things I want to do but I have to remember that I am a mum and that's like my that's actually my proudest ever moment and I know it wasn't a career moment but it's like my biggest most proudest production that I've ever worked on was this child who is just just mad she's just like my mini me and she just like never felt love like this in my entire life it's no offense brian uh but it's true yeah beautiful baby summer who is completely gorgeous oh, by the way thanks. she is she's amazing she's, yeah, she's got a great personality well i mean career moments and life moments they're all pretty epic aren't they or everything that you've achieved oh, so you should be you. very proud thank you i appreciate that i'm gonna move this on to our quick fire round which is then the end of our interview because i feel okay. like we could just probably talk for days on here actually favorite person you've ever interviewed uh probably most impressive person was robert de niro favorite person it'll be uh, a combination of when i interviewed take that and robbie williams because i grew up loving them amazing who is your biggest inspiration um my mum's a massive inspiration to me i lost my dad when i was seven and the way she dealt with the grief and keeping the family together and raising us is really commendable and also i'd say oprah absolutely love oprah 
um, just come from such a difficult background and, you know, to be like the first and maybe only black billionaires is incredible. And Meghan Markle, just throw up her in there as well. Oh yeah, we can't forget her. Black girls, we love it. Life mantra. Life mantra, do something today that your future self will thank you for. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for being an epic guest on Save Thank you. I've so enjoyed it. Well done for your sobriety and for your project. You're doing so well. Thank you. Well done on your epic, amazing life. Oh, thanks. I don't always feel like that, but it's nice for you to say that. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll speak soon. Definitely. Thank you, Sarah Jane, for being such an incredible guest. If you want to keep up to date with her ever-evolving journey, then give her a follow on at Sarah Jane Crawford. We are stocking up this week on at Kalenio and don't forget to get yours to make delicious AF drinks. We can't wait to see you back here next week for another episode of Sober Sips. Sips.